For one, the automation market is evolving very quickly. So if you're not already kind of at that level, you're already behind because it's just going to keep changing and progressing. So if you're just now looking at what we're doing and just going to try to copy paste it, it's probably not going to work very well for you. And two is, yes, my job at my company is a salesperson to sell projects and bring in revenue. However, my job to the industry is to be able to help the industry move forward. So if me being able to showcase what we're doing and how that's changing and evolving the industry is going to help other people then also push themselves to do better, try new things and keep evolving, that's the goal, right? Um, so it's not so much about like, oh, I might lose a customer or something out of this. It's really how do we continue to make ag develop and progress forward, which is what we need. Welcome to What Are We Talking About, a podcast produced by Water Online. Hosts Jim Laurier of Maisie Injector Company and Adam Tank of Transcend Water, a dynamic boomer millennial combo, will help you demystify how to build a better brand for your business, keep current and prospective customers engaged with your company, and ultimately grow your sales. They interview some of the most interesting and unique water professionals who have used the art of storytelling to move the needle for themselves and for their organizations. Well, today's guest on what we're talking about is Cassie Thomas. Cassie is the certified uh, irrigation designer for IDC, an irrigation design company. And uh, we got to know you uh, uh, through uh, CAIA, Cassie, when you gave that great tour of the strawberry uh, farm back uh, what September now. So yeah. uh, welcome to the show, and we're really excited to have you. Thanks. Cassie, I was introduced to you through Jim and your work in irrigation, which I find fascinating the more I dig in. It's not an arena I've played in, so it's really exciting to be able to talk to you on the show today. And actually, I wanted to start out by talking about that tour. So Jim had mentioned that there were quite a few people on this tour as you were showcasing the, your capabilities and the capabilities of your company. And some of the folks on the tour were competitive or competitors or yeah. could be competitors. And you had this sort of, you have this sort of concept in mind that it's really not that big of a deal that this competition is there. Talk to us about that. Yeah. I mean, even initially some people within our own company were like, Oh, are you sure you want to take this tour to one of your ranches? And you're kind of, you know, letting our secrets out of, you know, uh, what we're doing or how we're doing it. And, and my biggest thing was for one, the automation market is evolving very quickly. So if you're not already kind of at that level, you're already behind because it's just going to keep changing and progressing. So if you're just now looking at what we're doing and just going to try to copy paste it, it's probably not going to work very well for you. And two is, yes, my job at my company is a salesperson to sell projects and bring in revenue. However, my job to the industry is to be able to help the industry move forward. So if me being able to showcase what we're doing and how that's changing and evolving the industry is going to help other people then also push themselves to do better, try new things and keep evolving, that's the goal, right? Um, so it's not so much about like, oh, I might lose a customer or something out of this. It's really how do we continue to make ag develop and progress forward, which is what we need. Right. And then you also followed that up or maybe even preceded it 
by writing an article on irrigation today, and then also doing a webinar with uh, a good friend, Richard Restucia, about that very same project. Can you talk about how you try and do the, the content differently in different uh, platforms? Yeah, I mean, I think you kind of have to look at the audience that's probably going to be reading what you're talking about, right? When we're in a field presentation, people want to see hardware and how things work and what what's actually going to happen. Um, when I was trying to write the articles, I was trying to kind of pull in a lot of information from a lot of different ranches, different projects that we've done and be able to kind of give growers just maybe an idea of if they're looking at going this route, what are the hurdles that you might have to jump over? What are the difficulties that you might see, but what are the benefits that there are? Or for someone who knows nothing about agriculture and is reading this to understand the complexity that goes into the, the food that they're eating and things that are being produced for them. I feel like a lot of people feel that, you know, it's just a, a farmer out on a ranch and a tractor. And this kind of gives them that insight that there's a lot more that goes into this. Cassie, there's a there's a number of stakeholders involved in agriculture and irrigation and telling the same story or marketing to them. I, I would imagine this is an assumption. So you have to tell me if I'm wrong and talk to us about it. That messaging probably looks different if you're talking to one of your supply chain partners or distribution channels versus to the rancher themselves, to maybe a local elected official. Talk to us about how you're telling those stories and how different they are between those groups. Yeah, I mean, my job as a salesperson is kind of be able to bridge that gap, right, between um, customers and engineers or manufacturers, right? Um, they, they speak two very different languages and have two very different concerns. So my kind of role is to be able to figure out what's important to each group of those people and then present that information that's relevant, right? Um, I kind of say the same thing goes for, let's say, just our technicians. My technicians don't care about how something's made, they care about how it's how it works, where our managers are going to care more about maybe the sustainability and how we're producing things. So I have to pick what key important information is going to be relevant and then just kind of pull that out to present it to those different groups to make it interesting and, and to make it relevant for what their what their needs are. Right. And one of the good things you talked to us about before is you need to meet the customers where they are, right? Whether it's a platform, uh, in, in the case of a, 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 uh, the CAIA, a trade organization, or is it on Instagram for people in the cannabis industry? Why don't you talk about you know, how you pick and choose being that platform for that particular customer? Yeah, I mean, initially when I got into the ag market, I mean, it was word of mouth. If they didn't see your sign on the side of the road or somebody told them to call you, that's the only way that you got people to know who you were. Um, as things have evolved, especially I would say into the cannabis market, there's a really heavy influence on Instagram, um, LinkedIn, all of those different things where they're actually going to those sites to find resources. So the customer is doing a lot more investigation and looking into what they want and doing some training kind of of their own through those platforms. So we've tried to work really hard, especially on Instagram, to kind of customize those platforms to not just be, you know, here's pictures of our company and what we've done, but more so here's information for you. Here's what a specific product does and why you need it and make it a little bit more personal so that we kind of draw customers in from asking questions and trying to learn more. And that typically naturally evolves into earning their business because we're actually trying to educate them versus just sell something to them. But each platform is definitely a little bit different and targeting different markets. 
you know, your traditional farmer is probably not going to be on Instagram, you know, looking up a new way to grow something. Um, but they're, the biggest thing we see there is that there's a need to come down to their level and see what they're doing now and what's worked for them in the past and give them the right solution that's going to help them succeed. Because if I just try to sell them, you know, the Ferrari of automation and that's not what they're capable of using or want to use, it's not going to work for them. So really tailoring what you're designing specifically to what they want and what they're capable of using. I'm glad you brought up this, this, uh, this visual of, you know, a farmer on his combine in the middle of a field flicking through Instagram, probably not something that yeah. common. So when you think about the message that you want to tell that farmer about your irrigation equipment versus telling someone who is on Instagram about your irrigation equipment, how are you tailoring those messages? Like, do you have any specific examples of things that work really well for you? Yeah. I mean, if I look at like a, an indoor grower, um, they, I mean, it could be greenhouse or indoor and they've got maybe three or four different sites that they manage. They want to be able to pull up their phone, flick through all the different locations and see kind of what's going on, quick information, a quick data collection, and if there's an alarm or something. When you, when you look at that farmer, it's more so of how can I make your job easier now, right? We have these labor pressures and lack of labor availability. We have uh, resources and equipment that aren't available with everything that's been going on. So those are your struggles that you have. How do I make that better for you, right? How can what we're selling be able to be kind of a way for you to not only maybe make more money, be more profitable, higher yields, all of those things, um, but then just make your life easier. Because initially, it's probably not going to make their life easier. There's going to be a, some growing pains, but the goal is to get there. And I think that's the biggest difference is um, people who are already tech savvy, they just want that capability where someone who that's not what they're necessarily after, it's more so an ROI for them. Yeah. And as we talked about it, Cassie, obviously, your idea is to get to the early adopters, right? The people that are interested in using the latest technology. And as we know, growers like to follow what their neighbor does. And so if you can get those people out there, it shows them. So why don't you tell us a little bit about how you can continue to get those early adopters to tell their story about the, um, the benefits of what you're offering? Yeah, I mean, it, it's kind of always been that way of whatever somebody's doing down the street is what the next neighbor does and the next neighbor. Um, maybe not if you, if you don't do very well, <laughs> then it's probably not going to happen. But um, our biggest thing was is kind of going after those people that are that want to be in this industry and partnering with those people too. Cause a lot of them, it may not be that they have um, the ability to go kind of all out on a system, but if they're really interested in it for us, it's if we can partner with you and make this a relationship, even if we need to help you out a lot to get started, it's going to allow us to open up the door for, you know, the next 10 people to see your project, see what you've done, see how it's helped you. So we try to make more of a partnership with our growers, especially initially in new markets, to be able to really um, use them as a just like a, a showcase later on of this is what you can do and how it's going to be able to help you. You're listening to the Water We Talking About podcast. We'll be right back after this short break. This podcast is produced by Water Online the leading web-based community for water and wastewater professionals, showcasing the knowledge and authority of industry thought leaders. Water Online provides actionable content from vendors you can trust. 
And now, back to today's podcast. I have two questions related to that. So the first one is when you say partnership with an early adopter, I'm thinking about like specific incentives that you might give to someone to be the well, sort of like lighthouse customer in a given area, or maybe a lost leader of some kind where you might provide equipment for free or at cost in order for you to get that use case. Is that, is that what you're talking about? We have done that in some, some very specific cases, especially partnering with some of the colleges and things like that, where we'll provide demo equipment um, free of charge or at a deep discount to be able to allow them to get in, use it, teach students with it. And then we're getting our name out there by seeing Mm -hmm. it in action and these growers getting to interact with it potentially. So we have in some rare cases done things like that. Um, A lot of it will come down to trial sites and things. So if, if we need to, do a lot more design work and things to be able to make a certain portion of the ranch work for that customer because they can't invest in the whole thing. We'll kind of do those different things. Um, you know, we, we have done some discounts, I would say, in some markets where we really need to just kind of get our foot in the door. A lot of that comes back to manufacturers, though, where the manufacturers of the products themselves are really eager to get into that market. Okay. So they'll kind of provide you know, you have to have your stake in it, but we'll give you X, Y, Z at a discount to be able to make it more cost effective to get in, up and running initially. Okay. Okay. So my second question is finding early adopters. Do you find that they act a certain way? They congregate in certain places. They talk in certain ways on whatever social forums or at rural water conferences, or how are you, how do you go about targeting people who you would consider to be early adopters? Yeah, I mean, again, it's hard. It's a little bit different for every market. Um, But in ag specifically, there's a big transition of people, the older generation retiring and the newer generation coming in. So for me specifically, most of that generation happens to be around my age. So a lot of the standard events and things that I would go to, whether it's, you know, college reunion type things or different events when we're at, you know, World Ag Expo where people meet up at the beer garden or something like that, they tend to be kind of in those areas where we're able to find those people who are interested just because I happen to be in that same category. Um, For your other markets, indoor growing, greenhouse growing, a lot of them are already on that trend. So it's almost not really a question of if you want automation for them. It's just what specifically do you want? Right. Well, and one of the things, uh, Cassie, I have to compliment you and, and, and your husband, Frank, on you know, one of the things we talk about, Adam and I, about being the face of an organization. People want to communicate with people. And so both you and Frank, very active in the CAIA, the Irrigation Association. Can you talk about the benefits you've uh, accrued from being active in these kinds of uh, organizations? Yeah, I mean, a big thing is who you are as a person, especially in agriculture. I mean, it's still in a lot of ways a handshake type industry where relationships mean a lot so for for me being involved in those groups is one you want to be able to give back as much as you can to the industry that you're working in but then also just getting your name out there for people to know who you are that you're actually involved in the industry and you're not just selling things in the industry Um, so that's definitely helped a lot um, to be able to allow us to you know kind of get our name out there, get our company's name out there, being within all these different organizations and helping out. If you're someone that is 
newer to the industry or maybe you feel like you're you know you're out driving these country roads trying to sell your your services or your equipment and you're really struggling if you were to tell someone like hey you should really focus your efforts in terms of getting the word out you should really focus them on a linkedin presence or you should be attending local conferences or you should be whatever number of possible things you could be doing what would you recommend someone like that do I would say definitely LinkedIn, Instagram are really good to be able to focus on. And it's not even necessarily you just constantly posting content, but you interacting with other people's content, reading what they're talking about, understanding what the challenges are, what the new new equipment, new things are that are developing and interacting with other people on the profiles. Um, that's a real big thing is not just being like a blank picture that posts stuff, but actually interacting with other people. And then definitely going into the community. I mean, getting your name out there as to who you are and, and what you want to be able to do, going to any events that you can go to, even if it's not even necessarily specifically related to your field, but if it's just local events, that's a fundraiser for somebody or a charity event, going to those things just gets people to know who you are. And when they all of a sudden five years from now maybe decide hey i'm looking at doing this they're going to remember that person that they had a good conversation with or whatever that connection was yeah and you mentioned one important aspect is really engaging with the universities right the young yeah. people coming up can you tell us about how you've done that and uh, you know really gotten them behind uh, the industry yeah i mean i went to cal poly in san luis obispo so there's a lot of people that come from that college that come directly into our market and we're pretty sought after graduates as well. Um, and still living so close to the college, I've stayed really involved as much as I can continuing to go to career fairs and um, interacting with our the old teachers that I used to have, making sure we have things that pop up like job opportunities or scholarships or whatever it is that we always send it out to them to be able to try to give back to the you know, school that let you get to where you're at in your career. Um, but having that communication with them allows for one, us to be able to kind of get the information that they have coming from the school collegiate level, but then also us kind of infusing what's happening and kind of the real world back to them to help teach things differently or ask things. I mean, on multiple occasions, I've had old professors call and say, hey, is this possible yet? Can we do this? Like, what platforms are we working with? You know, I had a, a student ask a question. So it's really cool to be able to kind of be that real world person to give back into those areas. Tennessee, one of the personas we often pick on on this podcast are the pump vendors. We just think of your standard pump vendor talking about pump curves and right all this sort of like boring stuff that that deals with pumps. So put yourself in the shoes of a recent grad. They're going to work for a pump vendor and you know they're 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 in their car, they have their marketing materials, etc. And they are trying to justify going to their boss saying, I want to spend time, I want to spend time building an Instagram presence for us. How, do, how does someone in that position effectively convey the potential ROI of spending time building an Instagram brand and, and interacting with other accounts, right? Versus your traditional sales methods that sort of an old school pump supplier might be thinking about. Yeah, I mean, there's going to be, depending on which market you're in right and who you're after is going to be hard because you know a lot of people who are maybe the landowners that might be the ones actually making decisions on you know well pumps or things that are going to go in might not see that um, another big thing that we see is 
is your company going to allow you to be the face of the company or not? Because, you know, you don't want to put your name out there behind someone who might be posting, you know, who knows what out on the internet. So there's a little bit of a challenge there. And I think it would really come down to that person doing their homework initially to say, okay, what market am I really after? And are they on this platform? Because it might not make sense for them to do that, you know, Um, where it might make more sense for them to go to, you know, the local Elks Lodge and go meet up with people when they're doing an event down there. One of the things I was impressed with about the design of the system at that strawberry farm was that, you know, I, I live in both worlds, the ag world and the municipal and industrial water treatment markets. And uh, I saw a lot of the design around what you were doing that was coming from that realm, from the municipal industrial side. Can you talk a little bit about learning from the other aspects of water treatment systems uh, that aren't necessarily just from the ag side? Yeah, one of the biggest things that we've seen in ag is that there's a lot more regulations coming in. And with that, especially when you're going to something like substrate grown, where all of a sudden the, the plants are no longer in the soil where the water kind of disappears into and you see this water that we need to treat it in some ways. Um, here on the coast, we have saltwater intrusion. So we have to worry about high salinity waters and maybe needing to pre-treat those before we can even use them. And then if we're trying to recollect and reuse to be more sustainable, what do we do with that water? So just in our own research, I've realized the municipal market's already been doing this right? They already have water treatment plants that are treating the water that comes out of your homes and all these other things. So a lot of times we don't need to reinvent the wheel. We just need to look to a different market for answers. So we've been able to pivot and partner a lot more with the industrial wastewater side to be able to learn what we can do with these waters to reuse them, as well as some other markets that I wouldn't have you know, ever thought that I'd be getting into more, but things like you know, dehumidifiers and HVAC equipment that we've had to learn more about, but then realize, hey, when we're reclaiming water out of the air from these rooms, we can reuse that water. How do we do that? What do we, what are the concerns we need to worry about? So it's been fun getting to partner with some different industries and see how it really all ties back into the same thing. Yeah, I see the time has flown. We try <laughs> to keep our podcast somewhere between 20 and 30 minutes. So we're, we're going to end with one final question. And that is our infamous airplane banner question. So Jim and I have bought a super powered crop duster since we're talking about ag that has a banner behind it. And you get a sentence worth of words to fly this plane all over the world in front of every water professional. What do you want that banner to say? If you were asked my husband, he'd be mad if I didn't say this, but just IDC does that. (laughs) That's our kind of slogan, which is that our company does it. And if we don't do it now, we'll we'll figure out a way to do it for you. I love it. (laughs) That's great. Yeah. All right, Cass. Well, this has been great. There's a lot of good uh, information for our audience. And uh, we really appreciate uh, you being it. And I'll see you next week at at World Ag in Tulare. Yeah, definitely. Thank you guys so much for having me on. Mm -hmm.